Like most people haven't given five minutes thought to their profile in years and they only ever update it when they get a new job and it's boring and it's, and, it, and it's all, you know, I also didn't say this before, like the profiles, don't write it in a third, that third person voice. Welcome back everybody. It's another episode of Sales Tales. It's the Commodore and the Cowboy coming back at you this time. Dave. Yes. Steve Watt joins us. And Steve, energetic Steve, man, this guy, this guy <laughs> shot out of a cannon beginning of every day, isn't he? He did. Good time, though. Great time. And one of the questions we're trying to answer today is, okay, what is social selling? And then how do I make it work for me? That's what we're going to get into. Yeah. there. That's word is thrown around a lot, right? Social selling. Right. So I think, I think when you think about prospecting, uh, developing customer relationships, building your network, that it's dramatically underutilized right now. And I think there is a big gap between just don't know how to do it. Don't quite understand what it means. Right. So. Stay away from it. Well, let's hear from Steve on what he does in his elevator pitch. I'm Steve Watt and I work for Seismic, the world's leader in sales enablement. We have a full suite of enablement tools and professional services. My area of focus is social selling. I do a lot of work with customers, with prospects, uh, and a lot of marketing around our social selling tools as well. So I like to characterize my role as one-third sales, one-third marketing, one-third customer success, and 100% social selling. Okay. Very clear. Sounds like Steve plays at his business an SME role, but he focuses on this social selling concept. And I think he's got a large following and and nurtures people along and brings them into his business. I wrote a lot of things down on this episode. Steve Watt was awesome. We're going to get into that right after Food from the Road. So, Josh... Yes. Uh, we're going to head down to uh, the southeast. Ooh. We're going to go to go to Charleston. How y'all? Charleston, South Carolina. If you had a chance to go to Charleston, it's a beautiful place. Uh, had an opportunity to go there a couple times for business, which wasn't too harsh. But historic Charleston, uh, the mansions and the beautiful boulevards and trees and it's right up on the ocean wow and when you get down in the historic part of downtown which was obviously 1600s you know and it's been through a lot of iterations but right like a block from the waterfront there's a, a row of restaurants and on bars right there and and i'm going to recommend we go to the it's amen street okay fish and raw bar a amen uh, street. Okay. Amen Street. Amen Street. A M E N Street. Yep. And it's a it's a fish and raw bar. So if you're going there, number one requirement is you have to be okay eating oysters on the half shell. All right. Well. So if, no <laughs> if you're problem. not a fan of that, go somewhere else. But Ooh, if bar. you like oysters, these oysters are coming out of the water like that morning. Ah. So you get your you get your mussels and your oysters. And that's really the, the vibe. 
they have some other fish dishes uh because it's a southern restaurant get some fried green tomatoes yeah but you know it's it's a and sit outside kind of vibe on the sidewalk so i recommend if you're in charleston south carolina you head down to amen street to the amen street fish and raw bar sounds amazing all right so if we if we're talking about linkedin we're talking about the primary vehicle most salespeople are using for social um primary vehicle of communication depending on the salesperson so to say that it's important is probably leaving stuff out (laughs) so for you like what is are are we doing it wrong yes (laughs) all right i bet we i bet i am for sure i'm gonna make a list right here what what kind of things are we doing like what what, what do you see out there we as a profession are doing it wrong i i believe there's a lot of old ineffective in many cases counterproductive mindsets and practices that are really making a mess of social selling and and it's 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 bad for buyers it's bad for sellers it's bad for the entire linkedin and the entire social ecosystem Mm -hmm. and there's a better way And, and i'm a huge believer in working with individual sellers, working with entire teams and, and working with senior leaders in helping them see a better way and, and then operationalize a better way. Because honestly, the bar is low and the opportunity is massive, but we keep keep shooting ourselves in the foot in, 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 a, in a lot of ways. What, well, what are some of the ways that it's going poorly? Like where, where, are they, where are we messing it up? Let's start with the most basic LinkedIn profiles, sellers, LinkedIn profiles are terrible. They're like buyer repellent. They're, they're pushing away the people that you want to be pulling towards you. The typical salesperson's LinkedIn profile is either a dry, boring, bare bones resume, just a list of all the places they used to work and maybe some keywords that they put in there to help them get their next job. Or worse yet, it's, it's a brag sheet. You know, 140% quota attainment, three years running, you know, been to President's Club four years in a row. You know, one guy, one guy I was looking at his profile, is like, master negotiator. Master negotiator. Like, buyers do not want to talk to you, dude. Like, seriously. <laughs> this is a bad profile that is pushing away the people you want to, to pull towards you. I fundamentally believe in the sort of the first thing I preach to to salespeople, sales leaders, and anyone else who will listen is rethink and rewrite that profile. It's not your resume that's going to get you your next job. It's a buyer-centric, buyer-facing asset that's going to help you succeed in this job. It's going to help you succeed today. So you got to rethink it. You got to rewrite it. Don't have it just a dry, boring list of places you used to work. And instead, Make it like you're speaking to your most important customer. You're speaking to your most important buyer. What would you say to them? Well, we'll say it on your profile. You know, who are you? Who's your firm? Who do you serve? What makes you different? You know, what sorts of outcomes do you help your customers achieve? Uh, you know, say that on your profile mm-hmm. and people will be way more interested in talking to you. So, I mean, that's just the fundamental thing. Profiles are a mess. But engagement and and content and everything else is a mess too 
I mean, most salespeople, you know, they do nothing on LinkedIn or they just aggressively hunt and, you know, come barging into the, the worlds of all the people they wish they could have a meeting with and, you know, send them a connection request and then pitch slap them, right? The moment they yeah. accept that connection <laughs> request, it's like, hey, Josh, I'm Steve, and this is what I Can sell. Can you say that again? Did you say Ooh, pitch, you know? pitch slap? Uh, pitch, I love pitch that. slap. Like, nobody wants to be pitch slapped. So, is, that, so is, Steve, is, it, is, is, a, is a pitch slap when you um, just send somebody a reason to have a meeting with you? Like, like yeah, do you want to out meet, of the like, blue. I don't know you. I've never heard of you. I've never heard of your your company. And just right out of the blue, you you send me this thing about what you sell, and 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 then the presumptive we'll schedule a meeting. Uh, meeting, right? Like how's two how's Tuesday at two o'clock? You know, yeah, it's right. like, dude, I don't know you. I've never heard of you. I have no reason to care. I'm busy. And you know what else? I got twenty other just like others just like this today. Right? Like no. And and um, so there, there's that kind of pitch slap. Uh, there's the ones where they it's kind of even worse because it's it's um, really dishonest. Where it starts with like. Hey, I like I love your profile. I'm really impressed with what you do. I would love to have you in my network. And you're like, oh, isn't that nice? And you accept. And then here comes and the pitch. And then here comes the pitch. You know, yeah. and, and the, these things, maybe they worked six or eight years ago because people still thought it was kind of cool to get a connection request or to get a in-mail. Now we're right. just like, no, dude, like I, I have I have a box full of these that I'm ignoring. If you want to get through to any buyer, you're going to have to do a lot better. So this old connect and pitch mindset and the playbooks around it have have got to go. Uh, yeah. Will you ever get a meeting out of it? Yeah, sure. Once in a while, but you're probably, you know, pissing off and pushing away 20 people or 50 people mm -hmm. for every one. And that's not a trade-off that I want to make. Okay. Yeah, sure. Wow. So we're doing some things to actually push some people away with these, with these profiles and, and how we've actually used the platform. Um, what else are we doing? I think the other thing is that, you know, people say, oh, you should post on LinkedIn, you should post. So what do people do? They just, they're like cheerleaders for their company 24 seven. Like, hey, we won an award and here's our latest event and you should come to our webinar and our CEO is in the news and you're, you're just a cheerleader. Or I like to say you're like a Wi-Fi extender for the marketing team. And, and <laughs> if every time you saw me on LinkedIn, I was just cheerleading my employer. How long would you pay any attention to me? I mean, pretty soon you'd see my face and my name and your scroll. And you're like, right on by. I don't, I'm not here for your ads, dude, right? So right. if we want people to stop that scroll and actually listen to us a little bit, pay us a little bit of attention, maybe even engage with us, well, then yeah. we're going to have to do a lot better than being Wi-Fi extenders and, and corporate bullhorns. We're going to have to start sharing some actual interesting and valuable insight and perspective and information. So whatever your area that you sell into, it's like, what, what are some of the most important topics going on in that area? What are some of the biggest challenges that buyers face? What are some of the biggest misconceptions they have? What are some of the questions you most often get asked? What are, what are some of the, the, the biggest objections you have to overcome? And, and step back from the selling pitching motion and try to actually educate and inspire and help others. Because when you do that, you start to become 
a magnet. You start to yeah. you start to seem now like much more than the ninety nine other salespeople who are chasing this guy, and and you start to become the seller that he or she actually wants to speak with. You know, I, yeah. I remind sellers all the time that whoever it is that you want to talk to, whoever it is you want that call with, a hundred other salespeople are chasing them right now. And it's not just your competitors. It's everyone else in the ecosystem trying to sell them various uh, products and services. There's a hundred of you. And if you're doing what you did five years ago, and if you're doing what you're, everyone else is doing, you're just part of the noise. And you're, you're almost guaranteed to be ignored. So what are you going to do to elevate yourself above the noise? What are you going to do to become the one out of 100 sellers that that guy actually wants to speak with? Well, you better have a way better profile. You better share way better content on LinkedIn. You better engage in comments and conversations and, 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 and truly demonstrate that you've got real expertise in the space and real passion for what you do and who you do it for. And when you do that and well, and you do it consistently, you start to rise above the noise. And, and now you start to put yourself kind of in a category of one, of someone I might actually want to talk to. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So Steve, can I put you on the spot and ask you about maybe for some examples? Example number one is what's something you've seen out there? And obviously let's, let's protect the Let's protect the innocent here. But what, what's something you've seen out there that might be representative of, and let's just stick to posts. What's what's a post that is pushing people away? And what's an example of a post that's pulling people in and being representative of the kind of content that you were just talking about? Yeah, I would, rather than focusing on a post, because I don't think there's any one post that is going to win or lose for you. It's the totality of it. It's, okay. it's what are you bringing to the table? So, you know, let, let's say we've got three salespeople. One posts nothing. You know, just like, okay, they're just sitting it out. Um, one regurgitates company content and, and is that cheerleader, that Wi-Fi extender, as I said. And then, and then the third brings that balanced diet of content. So let's say I sell into you know, large tech firms and in, in, in like the hybrid cloud, private cloud, you know, multi-cloud kind of environment for, for sure. argument's sake. Um, instead of just talking about my company all the time, um, I should, yes, I should share some of my company's content. Yes. Uh, but I should bring my own voice into it. Not just like here it is and not just here's what marketing said about it because it's probably fluffy and hypey and not very credible. Uh, I should, if I'm going to share a piece of my company content, I should you know, read it first, think about what it means and what it might mean to my buyers, and then write two or three sentences about it, about who it's for, about how it's different, about what it how it challenges me to think differently, perhaps what particular sorts of buyers might find this particularly relevant. So now I'm bringing my company content, but I'm also bringing my own voice. So that's one, you know, I talk about a balanced diet. That's one food group is, is that. Okay. And now another food group is industry content. It's, it's, not, it's not our marketing content. You know, if I'm selling into this, this hybrid cloud environment, well, I should be reading lots of stuff, shouldn't I, about that? I should know what's going on. I should know the latest technological advancements. 
sense. I should know who's acquiring who. I should know, you know, what's going on in this space. I should be reading that stuff anyway. And well, now I'm just going to develop a new muscle of periodically sharing some of that stuff. And again, bringing my own voice in. So here's an excellent article about the battle that's going on in this part of the, you know, the hybrid cloud world and why, you know, this business model is, you know, trouncing that business model. And, you know, anyone who's trying to sort this out is going to find this piece, you know, in the economist or whatever, they're going to find it really interesting and valuable. So again, now I'm bringing value to my audience because I'm sharing a, 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 a credible piece of content that they may not have seen. And I'm also bringing my own voice. I'm not just a distributor of news. Uh, I'm a professional who actually understands this stuff and cares about it. So company content with my own voice, industry content with my own voice. Uh, now I'm also going to create some of my own content. And that doesn't have to be a giant lift. You know, maybe once a week, I'm going to write my own post. There is no associated article. It's just me answering the biggest questions, addressing the biggest misconceptions. Um, you know, like what, you sit any seller down and you say, what do people always get wrong? What do people always misunderstand? What's, what's something you wish your buyers better understood and sellers will talk your ear off about it? Well, just start putting some of that down. And, 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 and you know, that becomes another part of your, your, another food group in your balanced diet. And then maybe something that's not work at all. Maybe you went to that football game and, you know, take a couple photos and share them. Passion attracts passion. We're not work robots. You know, as much as we, we care about what we do and our jobs and our careers and our customers and everything like that, we also care about, you know, football and travel and barbecues and who knows what else. So bring a little bit of that in to humanize. And now you are just way, way above everybody else because you know, half your competitors aren't there at all. They're, they're doing literally zero. And the other half are being very robotic advertisers. And then there's Josh. And you're like, just doing all this stuff in such a more human way. People yeah. are going to be drawn to you. And, and it pays off in so many ways. Sometimes it's like direct high intent inbound. Like people actually reach out to you and be like, hey, yeah. can we talk? You know, um, right. but also when you reach out to them, they're way more likely to, oh, I kind of recognize that name. I kind of recognize yeah. that face. I'm actually going to take a moment and read this guy's email or listen to this guy's message or whatever. But also, when you show up on a call, it's magic when your reputation arrives in the room before you do. I mean, it right. absolutely, I'll, I'll get on sales calls with people I've never spoken before, spoken with before. And let's say there's five of them on that first call. And one of them is like, Steve, I'm really excited to meet you. I've been reading your stuff. You know, I've actually shared some of your posts with my boss and with my coworkers. And it's like, I'm glad to meet you. And, you know, I'm just beaming on the inside thinking like, okay, that's a good start to a call instead of like, here's the agenda and I'm here to sell you something. You know, (laughs) when you show up and, and your reputation precedes you in such a way that, you know, that you're not just there to sell but that you've actually got some real subject matter expertise and some real passion around this space, it sets a way more positive vibe for that sales call. So that's the difference, those three guys. Now, in the social part, it doesn't replace the other things. Like sometimes people take what I'm saying to a ridiculous extreme. Like, oh, Steve said I should never make a phone call. I should never send an email. I should just post on LinkedIn. No, I don't say that at all. Like keep doing all the other stuff, but layer this on as well. 
and you are just going to rise way above your competitors. Wow. And I got to tell you, there's something that you said that, that, that I have not been trying, I've been stopping myself from trying, which is the sort of not work related posts. Occasionally I'll come up with an idea like, you know, I really like movies and I like talking about the movies that I see and recommending them with a brief kind of like, I'm like, that'd make a good LinkedIn post. And then I don't do it because I'm like, well, that's not what it's for. But you're saying I, sh- I gotta, I gotta stop doing, I gotta start doing that and stop Stop yeah, doing that. I, I think you should. And, and I think it, I think it's important to recognize that we're all different in, in the amount yeah. of our personal selves we want to expose. Like some people on LinkedIn, they're talking about their kids. They're oh, yeah. Talking it's, about it's, mental health struggles. Yes. They're talking about, you know, and, and other people are like, whoa, that's not me. I don't want to do that. And those are both yeah. okay. Like if you're like a total open book and you want to be really vulnerable and really personal, that's okay. And if someone else doesn't want to do that at all, that's also okay. But you can still be a human, right? You can still share. Maybe you stick to industry topics and and work-related topics, but you talk about them in a human way. You don't sound like a press release. You don't sound like a sales pitch. You know, you talk about them like you would talk to a friend or a colleague about it, you know? And then, yeah, if you want to, if you did nothing on LinkedIn except shared movie reviews, that would be kind of weird. But when you mix that in with the (laughs) other stuff, like I'm a, I'm a big formula one race fan. Um, If I was always talking about racing on LinkedIn, that would be confusing for people. And I don't think it would help me. Um, But because I do all the other stuff consistently and I do it well, uh, I sort of have license now to get a little more personal and talk about some passions here and there. And and it, it adds to the mix. It adds to the sense that like, hey, this guy seems like an all right guy. And and even if I'm not in you know, somebody else, they, they don't care at all about Formula One racing, but they love golf. You know, sometimes like passion attracts passion and, you know, you can end up in a really interesting conversation. So, yeah, you, you should talk about that stuff. But but you kind of earn the license to do that, in my opinion, by first and foremost, delivering relevant industry and professional value as, as kind of the main course. And then that, you know, that movie talk or, or whatever it might be is kind of the dessert. You know, it's yeah. interesting because I think a lot of sellers, out, you, you've hit on this a couple of different ways, but one is that there's this mindset about LinkedIn that w- what it was before, I mean, when you did it, there was a time when there was nothing personal on there. Like it was, you were on Facebook if you wanted to be, per- I remember this conversation not too long ago. Like if you want to be personal and you can connect with people on Facebook, if you were to be business, it's, it's, it's LinkedIn. And what I'm hearing you saying is that, and I've, I'm watching it play out too, that people were, and it could be generational. It just could be better use of the platform, but, but being authentic, being authentic. So being relevant, right. I could be relevant in my industry space, my area of expertise, but also being authentic. So this is the way I talk. So when I'm on LinkedIn, this is the way I'm going to sound. I'm not going to sound like the marketing brochure. I'm going to be who I am. Yeah. And, and is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and, and that you can be a little more personal, a little less personal, as I said, but you ought, you ought to be honest. You ought to yeah. be authentic and, regardless. I hope, that, I hope that if we were to meet in, let's say we never had this call, but we had engaged yeah. with each other's LinkedIn posts a bunch, uh, and, and then we met in person, that neither one of us would be confused or shocked by that interaction. Right. It would be like, we've already skipped the first three levels of getting to know yeah. each other by reading yeah. each other's stuff, maybe watching some videos, exchanging some comments back and forth. And then when I meet you in person, you're the same guy. Yeah. You yeah. know, it wasn't like you were putting on some weird persona well, on LinkedIn. I meet you in person and you're the same guy who I thought I knew. And, and, and you feel the same about me. Yeah. That, that's what being authentic is. I, I, I agree. And I, and the reason I bring this up is I think uh, sellers out there who are listening, the, where they get stuck to even start, let's say that you're stuck in neutral. And I, I don't even know how to start. You'll just stay stuck because you're worried about what you're going to write. You're worried about wordsmithing. You're worried about if what I have to say is even of any value. And you talk yourself out of stuff all the time. I don't know how to write it. I really don't have an opinion here that matters. Nobody's going to care about this. <laughs> right. And so you do nothing. Like, do you see that also? I just... All the time. Okay. All the time. But, but the crazy thing is, you know... How many conversations does a typical salesperson have in a week, right? How many calls? How many meetings? How many, emails, <laughs> how many emails do they send? Yeah. How many conversations do they have with their colleagues? How many conversations do they have, you know, with, with maybe happy customers? I, I mean, <laughs> salespeople are not short on communication skills. Um, you know, and most are, are very good at, at speaking and writing and mm -hmm. building rapport and asking questions and communicating with other human beings. They're really good at it. What I say is that LinkedIn is not fundamentally different. It's still, it's still you communicating with other human beings and don't get your shorts in a knot about the fact that it's a different yes. channel, a different medium. It's still you, the human being communicating with other human beings like you do 50 times a day. Yes. Um, so kind of get over yourself. And so that, that's one part of it. Another thing is uh, when you hardly ever or never do it, you do think then that somehow that post has to be everything. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God, it's got to be insightful and right. challenging and credible. Yeah. Oh, I need some data. Oh, but I need a story. Oh, I We're should have We're putting a lot of pressure on this right. post. <laughs> no, so like, ah, uh, you know, yeah. but the great, if you actually do this regularly, you lose the notion that any post has to be a Grand Slam home run. It doesn't. Right. Like every post is a single. It's just a single. Yeah. Just get out there. You know, you can win a lot of baseball games by hitting a lot of singles. Yeah. Or and, by showing up to the game. Stop swinging for the fences and then scaring yourself out of it. Yes. Right. Right. That's such a good, that's such good feedback and, and, and perspective because I do that to myself where I'll toil on a post because it's not, going to be amazing when look like I, I think that's a good instinct to try to make something good and make it worthwhile I, I think that we're all we can all agree on that but at some to some level it just needs to get out there and you yeah. just got to show up and do it and it's like any other prospecting behavior that Dave and I tell our clients about right like making the call showing up to the meeting asking the questions and, sh and just being there and trying it 
And that shapes over time your attitude about doing it. And then yeah, you can you build a muscle as you do it, right? It, and what was once hard becomes easy. And then it becomes even better than easy. It becomes Fun. enjoyable. Yeah. Fun. It's yeah. enjoyable. Like I, I don't. I don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, no, I got to I got to post on LinkedIn. I wake right. up in the morning and I'm like, I got like eight things I could post about. What's the one that I'm going to do? And you know what I do, too, is I, I have I call it my junk drawer. It's it's just a Google sheet. Go. I just throw a bunch of half baked ideas in because inspiration hits you you know, in incomplete ways at inopportune times, right? Literally in the shower or in those two minutes between calls, you just finished one call and you're like, oh man, that question that that guy asked, I, I should write a post about that. But oh, I got to get on my next call, right? So I just jump into my junk drawer and I just fire out like fragments of ideas and then I move on with my day. And, and if I didn't do that, I would have forgotten. But then when I go back, that junk drawer is like a treasure chest of ideas. Yeah. And I, I scroll through it and go, oh yeah, that's good. And I'm going to combine that and that. No, that one was stupid, but I'm not going to delete it. I'm just going to leave it because maybe it'll get smart later. And, and so like, you know, have a junk drawer, throw ideas in there, come back to them when you got a little bit of time and a little bit of inspiration. You're building a muscle to start thinking, huh, that's a post. That question could have, could be a post. That conversation could be a post. That objection could be a post. You know, that win I just had could be a post. That, that you know, difficult loss I had could be a post. Yeah. It's, it's a muscle that you don't, you're not born with that muscle. Nobody's born thinking about LinkedIn posts. You know, it's yeah. a muscle that you develop if you, if you choose to. Awesome. So this has been great, Steve. Like just... I've already written down several things I'm going to change about my LinkedIn game just on this one interview, posting more regularly, like having a steady balanced diet that you mentioned before, um, taking a harder, closer, more honest look at my profile to make sure that it's got the things that uh, are more uh, serviceable to somebody than, you know, just a, a toot of my own horn. So I'll ask you one more question about LinkedIn. Can I add one more just before you do? Because you, you, you yeah. hit on two of them and we we kind of got sidetracked as I started, you know, oh, I got go way up on my soapbox here. Make um, me right again, uh, baby. The, prof the profile, yes. Uh, the, the balanced diet of content, yes. But you know what we haven't really talked about is engaging with others. You know, if you okay. just post and ghost, if you just throw stuff out there and hope that the world's going to beat a path to your doorstep, you're probably going to be disappointed. Uh, you... The more you give, the more you get. Uh, engaging with other people is so important. And, like and showing, that's showing likes, comments on somebody else's. Likes, comments, and, and like improve your feed. Like I call it weeding your garden. Like a lot of people say my feed is garbage. Like it's, it's just a bunch of humble brags and, you know, like, you know, fake LinkedIn influencers and I don't care about this stuff. Well, weed your garden. Like stop following the people who don't make okay. it better and yeah. start following the people, the organizations and the hashtags that are going to make your, your feed a rich source of, of knowledge and inspiration to you. So like you can follow, you should follow all the different hashtags, just like you can follow an individual, you can follow an organization, you can follow a company, you can also follow hashtags and start making your feed rich with relevant, interesting inf information and inspiration for you such that you actually enjoy scrolling. Like I can honestly say that not a, not a day goes by 
that I haven't learned at least one valuable thing from scrolling my feed and reading other people's posts like every single day. Uh, but it also gives you a great uh, basis of, of people to start engaging with and start liking their posts, start commenting, um, you know, and, and then this does a lot of things, right? It builds reciprocity. If, if I start commenting on your posts, you're way more likely to start noticing mine and we both benefit. Right. Um, it also becomes like that muscle builder because, you know, if, if you're, if you're not feeling comfortable about writing full on posts, well, just focus on writing comments because, yeah. you know, they're, they're way a, a lesser lift, right? It's, it's one or two sentences. And, but if you can deliver a succinct little bit of value in those comments, you get good at it. And, and then yeah. sometimes you think, oh, that comment, actually, I could expand that. That could be a post into the junk drawer right. goes, and you're going to come back to it later. So you, and, and you're also being seen by way more people. Because if you are regularly commenting on other people's posts, especially like industry influencers and thought leaders, and you got something valuable to say, you, you might get 10 times as many views of your comment versus that post that you made. Um, and if you've got a good smiling photo, you've got a relevant headline, and people start noticing you. And then they start checking you out, and one thing leads to another. So yeah, yes, profile, content mix but also active, intelligent engagement with others. Great. Yeah, good summary as well. Most underutilized LinkedIn feature, go. I'm, I'm going to come back to the profile. Like most people haven't given five minutes thought to their profile in years, and they only ever update it when they get a new job. And right. it's boring and it's and, it, and it's all, you know, I also didn't say this before, like the profiles, don't write it in a third, that third person voice. Like Steve, <laughs> is, you know, Steve everybody is knows this? I wrote my own profile. <laughs> yeah, Steve right. Did you, is, is, is this the that, young like, man oh, writing your memoirs? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like Harvard Business Review said this about just, me. No, that didn't, you know, like, just write it the way you speak, right? Say, I do this. My company does this. You know, this is who we are. This is who we serve. You know, so, you know, make it client centric like I said before and and make it authentic first person voice like the way you would speak like so i think that you know people want like oh what about polls versus videos versus all this stuff meanwhile you look at their profile and go like, dude your profile is garbage like start yeah. there <laughs> that's the that's the most overlooked thing is the most fundamental thing that's great so steve on this show sales tales we usually end the show with a flurry of of a couple of stories First story is called a sales tale. Sales tale is in your career and in I've been following you on LinkedIn. I know that you're not pure play, uh, you know, quoted salesperson per se, but you've got a breadth of experience in the space, been on sales calls. So there's got to be something in there that's definitive for you in a selling context that you feel really good about. That was a big deal. Uh, what'd you learn from that? And what was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I got something for you. So <laughs> I come in as a sales overlay a lot and I lead a lot of sales calls specific to social selling tools. And I have to constantly remind and ask my coworkers not to introduce me as a product expert because nobody cares about the product yet. I say, don't introduce mm -hmm. me as the seismic live social expert, you know, introduce me as a social selling expert. Now you're giving me room to play. And, and I see 
and, and I've, I, it took me a little while to learn this um, because at the end of the day, I want to sell them that tool. I do. Um, but, but coming in not with a product first. It, it used to be, you know, you come in, you're introduced as a product guy and maybe you ask a few cursory questions to pass for a little bit of discovery and a little bit of rapport, but then you just itch into demo product, right? Like, yeah. I got to show you the thing. <laughs> and, and that's such a natural thing because you go to your happy place when you're demoing because we all know our own tools and we can all do it in our sleep. But actually having hard conversations with people <laughs> is way, is way more difficult than going to your yeah. happy place and demoing. So I used to come in as the product guy and I'd quickly demo and it seldom worked. And then what I learned to come in as instead the person who was going to share some real industry learnings and you can't fake this stuff. You can't like pretend you're sharing learnings and when really it just all boils down to buy my thing, right? You actually have yeah. to know some good stuff. You have to be willing to challenge the buyer. Oftentimes they'll say like, I want a tool that does X and Y. And it's so tempting to say, let me show you how we do X and Y, you know, instead to be like, well, why? Well, why? Yes. What's the business outcome that that drives? And what are the alternative yeah. ways that you've tried to get there and what worked and what didn't work? So, so being coming in with a legitimate in some industry cred and some like a bit of a challenger mindset and a, uh, like authentic curiosity to learn about them coupled with a desire to educate and inspire them um, sets such a better starting point. And, and now, and I've got another, I got a sales call right after this and, and I'm telling you, that's the way it's going to start. And we're going to have a really good conversation. I'm going to learn something. They're going to learn something. And I'm not going to demo product until either they say, like, please show me the tool. Or when I really feel like we've yeah. really had a good meal here, then it's going to be, would you like me to show you this tool now? And, and I, it took me a while to learn that. And now I can't imagine doing it any other way. Nice. So that tale is I learned... I got to ask questions like it's like so the, the the moment is, man, when I learned that it changed everything, but not just ask questions because I see salespeople doing like what I they, their discovery is like interrogation, right? It's like mm. they're asking 20 questions so that they can like achieve bant or whatever their thing is. And it's like, so who's the decision maker here and what's your timeline and what's your budget? Right. And, you know, and like, that's not an enjoyable experience for, for the buyer. So I, I always say, look, it's not, it's not discovery as much as it's conversation. It's not just asking questions. It's, it's, it's a blend of asking questions, but also sharing valuable insights and, and such yeah. that both the seller and the buyer learn something and we both get something out of it. And, and we both feel that this was a valuable first 20 or 30 minutes on that call instead of a conventional interrogation where the buyer thinks like, why, like I'm just helping you sell and I'm getting nothing out of this. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, people can tell when they're being qualified and if it's just a string of questions, it's not any different than an, an interrogation. What Dave and I teach is that there has to be some active listening that's happening too, where I'm actually hearing the answers and it is impacting me in some way. And it's also causing me to ask another question. Otherwise, there's really no 
sort of duality to the conversation. What would you say, Dave? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, 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 we help people make good decisions. So we're having a conversation about your situation and what's going on and, and determining how we can help you. And I'm gonna help you clarify your thinking and bring, you know, bring my knowledge to the party. And at the end of that conversation, we can decide if it makes sense to start a demo or what we should do next, but not until that time. Right. Not until. Yeah. And an active listening, as you said, and, and constant recalibrate, you know, like your, you know, yeah. your GPS when you're driving and you take a different right. turn and it's like recalibrating, recal- you have to be constantly doing that. And, and, and you can tell the difference. And this is true. <laughs> this is true for podcast hosts as well as for uh, salespeople, right? I'm listening. The, the people who come in with a list of questions and just stick to it are terrible salespeople and they're terrible podcast hosts. (laughs) The people who have a conversation as we're having today now, constantly recalibrating around each other and around where that's going and knowing when to pull on that thread and when to move on and when to ask clarifying questions and when to interject and when to challenge. Like that takes a lot more skill then, yeah, here's the nine questions that I'm going to ask this guy. <laughs> I'm going you know? so, to edit yeah. out the sound of me shredding the page that I have on my <laughs> questions. Nine <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, uh, we're running out of time. Tell us, uh, tell us a sales fail. So now this is the opposite. This is the other side of the story. Something maybe give us a story didn't go so well. Uh, and what did you learn from it? Yeah. You know, and it's a... I think the first place my mind goes is it's almost the other side of that same coin. Um, sometimes I want to challenge too much. I want to sell too big. I want to drive big outcomes and big change. And you know what? They don't want that. They don't maybe need that. They certainly don't have budget for that. And sometimes you just got to sell them what they want to buy. And I'm still struggling with that. Like, I wish I could say that I've solved for that because I'm sure that I've lost some sales when they want to buy X and Y. And I'm saying like, no, 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 no. A, B, and C is what you want. And here's why. And it's way more important. It's way better. And then at some point they're probably just tuning me out and I'm like, yeah, dude, okay, thank you. That was good. Uh, and, And then they move on and they go buy X and Y from someone else. And I, and I'm still, struggling with that. I know you can't just be an order taker. I know you can't just like the old solution selling thing, right? You're going to tell me what keeps you up at night and I'm going to tell you how my product uh, solves. the. I know that's not good enough. Um, And I know we have to do better, but sometimes we need to get over our own passions and enthusiasms and perspectives and sell them what they're here to buy. So I'd say my fail is that I haven't, yet fully sorted out where that line is. And while I've definitely helped us bring in some very good sales, um, other times I've probably contributed to a loss. There you go. What what do we call that, Dave? Which one? Oh, just the idea of, of kind of like Steve is telling us that sometimes like he's going above and beyond what they're just really asking for or what their pain dictates. I knew we had a name for it somewhere. Painting seagulls. Painting seagulls. In the yeah, other person's up. picture. There's a story a... about, you know, you're putting stuff into the prospect's picture that they don't see. 
And when you do that, then they're automatically out. Like you don't see what I see. And, and when you start inject, adding things into that, it makes it confusing. And, and they're like, you're not paying attention to what I want. And then they'll move on. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Painting seagulls. Okay. Painting you've added seagulls. There's a whole story there, but yeah. we don't have time for it today. I, I get it yeah. though. It's, it's, I, I can definitely see where I've, I've sometimes been painting some. Oh, oh, and we have painted. They're not seagulls. They're, 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 they're parrots and toucans and they're oh, absolutely beautiful. Toucans. But, uh, I've done albatrosses. <laughs> oh man. I'm just the millennium Falcon, like all kinds of seagulls in there. Steve, it's been great seeing you. Great. Uh, getting to, uh, don't be late to know for you your this. And, uh, yeah, thanks for letting us uh, make you late for your meeting. Uh, it's a good time. Hey, it's been my pleasure chatting with you both. Thank you. Hey, if you're into disclaimers, this next part is really going to rock your world. Sales Tales is a Kaufman Group podcast. The Kaufman Group is a franchisee of the Sandler Network, all rights reserved. No portion of this publication may be used without the express written permission of Sandler Systems, LLC. Sound engineering for this podcast by C2D2 Films.